It's time for a Big Blue Kickoff Live. Nobody can ever tell you that you couldn't do it because you're dead. On Giants.com. You know what I saw? New York Giant Prime. And the Giants mobile app. We'll punch you in the nose for 60 minutes with a relentless competitive attitude. Part of the Giants Podcast Network. Let's go out there like a bunch of crazy dogs. Have some fun. Happy Monday, everybody, and welcome to Monday's edition of Big Blue Kickoff Live right here on Giants.com and the Giants mobile app. John Schmelk, Jeff Fiegel's with you. The phone number is 973-667-1960. Taking your calls as we continue to react to what the Giants did in the 2021 NFL Draft. It's all part of the Giants Podcast Network presented by Investors Bank. Mr. Fiegels, hope you, I hope you got some rest on Sunday. You were not Ooh. with us for our bonus Sunday show, yeah. so I hope you, you, you got a little R&R and you're ready to roll today. Listen, I got more R&R than you guys because I cut out on you guys a couple times. So you guys, I'm hoping you're well-rested, Mr. Schmelk. I know you put in some serious, serious logs some hours on this uh, draft, and it was a lot of fun. Enjoyed, uh, enjoyed my day with you guys Saturday. And, um, of course, now we get to sit back and talk a little bit about what the Giants did, and we'll be uh, – I guess we'll give our grades, right? I mean, I don't know if you've done well, that. Yet, I don't but... like. I don't like. No, I, I'm not going to give a grade. Because, I'm just saying, as because, far as talking about it, you because know I mean. grades are stupid. <laughs> They're dumb. They're dumb. I didn't mean that. No, I, I know that. that. I know you what, know what I mean. Yes, yeah. I know exactly what you mean. But you know, what, I just want to be consistent because every year, you know, and there are years when people have complained about what the Giants did, and we say grades are, are are dumb and they don't make a lot of sense to do them. So because you're not going to know in three years if these teams drafted well or not. So in a year like this, when everyone's universally praising what the Giants did in the draft. You know what? Grades are still stupid. <laughs> and we're not going to yeah. know whether or not this was a good draft for another three or four years. That's right. Maybe even could... four or five now because you yeah. can look at the picks from next year too with the, the, the trade. So yeah. just want to be consistent about it. That's right. Because you do know. You don't know. And this thing is a crapshoot. You know, you look, go back, historic. History will tell you the first rounders, second rounders, you know, a lot of them don't make it. And um, that's just because uh, it's not a perfect science and it's very difficult to evaluate talent on different levels and different schools and schemes and you name it. So it's uh, it's tough going, but they gave it their best shot this year. And, you know, uh, honestly and personally, I think they did a heck of a job. Well, Jeff, give me your overriding thoughts. Everybody heard from me yesterday already. They have mm-hmm. not heard from you. So you can talk about the final two picks, which I know you haven't talked about specifically yep. yet. But just in general, give me okay. your bird's eye view of what the Giants did last weekend. Well, I'll start with the, the last two picks of, uh, of Brightwell and Radarius Williams. I feel like, you know, obviously when you're at a six-round draft pick, um, and we talked a little bit about this on Saturday about the level of competition, and there is, wasn't as many people in the draft this year. So those six-rounders you know, very well could have been free agents next year or the year before. But the fact of the matter is that they're on the team. I really like this Gary Brightwell, how he uh, presented himself to the media and the Giants fans. Special teams guy, right? I mean, all he talked about was, I like to play special teams. I like to do this. That guy gets it. And I think he understands when he's coming to a team with Saquon Barkley that you're not going to be the starter, but you can be a starter on the core four special teams. And I like that about him. So I uh, look forward to seeing him compete at that level and seeing what he can do. And then Radarius Williams is a guy that, you know, another one that's uh, – uh, a guy that's just going to go out there and add some depth to that defensive backfield. A guy that can play, uh, I, I'm guessing, both inside and outside. We'll see. But the fact is, John, that they're, they're there for some depth and some competition. Uh, overall, I think we did. We talked enough about the first four picks. Those guys are all, they, they slotted where they are. I think the biggest one for me, I know Kadarius Tony is a number one draft pick, and he's going to be very, very exciting to watch offensively. But I like Aziz Ojolari. Uh, I, I, I always have. I always did. Um, I, I obviously had uh, Quiddy Pay before him, but he was my second pick, not very far behind, maybe a 1A, one, one you know, 2 or whatever you want to call it. And that, of course, with you pushing Jalen Phillips aside because of the injury stuff. Sure, yes. and that, exactly. We all had him number one anyways. But yep. um, all in all, I think that the Giants uh, went after. They got some really good value. For their picks, I mean, Aziz Ojolari, he was pushed down to the second round just because of that knee. That's all it is. Um, and he's telling us that it's going to be fine. Aaron Robinson, the cornerback for UCF, is going to be, uh, you know, you can pencil in him to get some time with Darnell Holmes, Darnell Holmes, or Darnay Holmes, excuse me. And then these guys will be able to compete in camp. So overall, I think that I was impressed by the players. But I think I was more impressed with what Dave Gettleman did in this draft that he hasn't done before. And we all know trading up, trading back, all the stuff that he did. But acquiring a first, a third, and a fourth rounder next year um, 
to go along with the other draft picks that the Giants are going to have in 2022 was very, very impressive with me, for me. Um, and so now with, with this class, the 2021, the six picks that the Giants got, the 13 free agents that they brought in in March, um, and now there's, you know, there's going to be the street free agents that the Giants will s- slowly start to sign. Uh, we'll see and we'll hear about them. I know there's a couple that have been mentioned. I don't know if they're official yet, so no, I won't mention exactly. their names. Exactly. They're out there, and folks, you know the deal. Until yep. these things are signed, we can't talk about them. So. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So my, my point is that there's going to be these guys now that didn't get drafted that Every single team is out there, uh, you know, pounding the pavement, trying to get these guys signed on their roster um, and to compete. So I'm excited. I I think that it's uh, to this point now, now we're going to be able to see how this roster is being built. And I think good things are going to come out of this, John. Yeah, Jeff, I think you hit it on the head. I agree with everything you just said to me. And and, and I wrote this for for cover three on Giants.com. I think it's probably up there now already, or at least it will be shortly. Value. That was the, the word that I used to describe this draft. It's value. The Giants tried to maximize the value of all their selections. And I'll explain how. If I would have told you, Jeff, on the Wednesday before the draft, just gave you the players the Giants picked, Ojolari, Kadarius Toney, Aaron Robinson, Ellerson Smith, Rodarius, and Brightwell, okay? Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and I told you the Giants had six picks, Those are the six players they came away with. My guess is you would have been like, all right, that's a pretty good haul. You know, maybe Ojolari was a little rich for 11, but, but, you know, maybe they traded down. But, boy, Kadarius Toney with that second-round pick, that's really good value in the second round for him. And the other guys seem about right. Do you agree? You think that's fair? Sure. Sure, hundred percent. And in fact, that's probably the way. It, I, I don't think Kadarius Tony would have been there in the second round. Right at, at number uh, what did they have forty two that Dave we were 42, at. Yep. There's no way. Right. He would exactly. Not have been there. So I think fans. Some fans I think would have been upset. We didn't see a Devontae Smith or a Jalen Waddle or even a Rashawn Slater, and you would have gotten some pushback on that. But I think overall people have been pretty happy. They're like, all right. We got players at positions of need. All right, we didn't get an offensive lineman. I'm a little annoyed. That's fine. But I think for the most part, Giant fans would have been satisfied. Yeah. Well, hold on a second. I didn't even mention the cherry on top. They got all those players, <laughs> and they got a first-round pick next year, and they got a third-round pick next year, and they got a fourth-round pick next year. And by that, the way, they got a fifth round that they got to use this year that they, they parlayed up, they moved up to get. Right? Correct, correct. They used that to go and get Aaron Robinson. Because they were worried he wouldn't get to them in the third round. So when you look at it that way, if you were to have been satisfied with just the players, but then you get these additional picks too, mm-hmm. I, I don't know. And again, I know there would have been some nitpicks if, if it was just the players with the first-round pick and all that stuff. I, I, I get all that. But I think people should be thrilled about how this went. We'll see again now how the execution worked. I think the approach and the thought process was extremely sound. I thought it was creative. Mm-hmm. I loved it. I loved it. Now we'll see whether or not these players pan out or not because that's going to be the ultimate test, right? But I think the thought process and behind it, Jeff, was 100% correct. They moved down in that first round. They still got a playmaker. They moved down in the second round, got an extra third-round pick, still got the same exact player they would have probably drafted at 42 or at least one of, guys, one of the guys in that five-man group that they had. Mm-hmm. So bing, bang, boom. I mean, that was as, as good as it gets. Aziz Ojolari has got to be the happiest man alive. Uh, not only is he coming to the Giants, which is amazing, um, but you, I don't know if you know this, John, just reading about it on actually Giants.com. I was doing a little research before the show and did not know that he's a former roommate of Andrew Thomas and good friends. Andrew Thomas was at his draft party. How about that? I mean, that is incredible, and that goes a long ways, my friend. That uh, When you got a good friend on your team and you know something that's so new – this is like a freshman coming to college again, you know, and if you got somebody that's, uh, you know, a brother or somebody that was in school and they've been there before, hey, it's a lot easier to make that transition, but I, I'm excited about that. I think the biggest takeaway aside from... And Jeff, by the way, Andrew yeah. Thomas will like whooping his butt in practice every day to start the year too. <laughs> well, I know there's probably some serious banter there. Oh, there's you know? trash And talk. I'm wondering who got the best of, of who and, you know, when they were together in practice. I mean, probably each one of them says that they got the best of each one of those guys. But, you know what I'm saying? Like, I, I bet Aziz said that he whooped Thomas all the time and vice versa. Of course. The biggest takeaway for me, on, and I don't mean this to be a negative, but I think, but the, I think the connotation here is that most people will see this as a negative. And Dave Gettleman squashed it last night. 
when he said, a lot of you obviously think that we need more help. I'm paraphrasing now, saying it about the offensive line. Okay, we like our guys more than you guys do. Yep. And um, and so and that's okay because I can tell you this, and you know this too, John. Of the 31 other teams, their boards are way different than any of the analysts, any of the guys on NFL Network, any of the guys on ESPN. So we don't know. And so all we can do is sit there and we we, we do our research and make our analysis here and there. But for the Giants. They seem pretty content on what's going to happen here. Now, again, there will be some other free agent signings, but don't look for those guys to be starters. Well, Jeff, you I know. mean, you made a great point, and I think we said this. We had our two-hour show on Thursday before the first round of the draft, right? What did we say? My whole big thing, I love Rashawn Slater. I would have loved him to be the pick. But I also Everybody said, would. But I also said I do not think he was going to be the pick because yeah. I made the same point that Dave made on Saturday based on what Dave said I think it was either at his free agency press conference before free agency or his reaction free agency press conference. I don't remember which one. But he said, look, guys, we drafted these young offensive linemen last year, and these guys got to play. And he said it multiple times, and he has faith in these guys. The Giants used a first-round pick, a third-round pick, and a fifth-round pick on offensive linemen last year. They used a second-round pick on Will Hernandez. So I guess that's what, four drafts ago now? Mm-hmm. This is his fourth year? Yeah. So they think that these guys can go in there and play. The rubber will hit the road. We'll find out. But that was my kind of creeping feeling as to, and not, not meant in a bad way, just meant in terms of my intuition. Uh, that's what the Giants thought about the offensive line group. I would have been fine if they reinforced it. They said they were actually looking at offensive linemen in the second and third round, but guys got taken that were in that mix for them at those spots. Mm -hmm. So it didn't work out. And now the success of this season, and this is going to be my final point, Jeff, you can make one more, then we'll get to Mm -hmm. your calls. Once again, and we've said this before each of the last two years, the success of this season is going to come down to whether or not the players the Giants have on rookie contracts progress improve, and become good starters. It goes from Saquon Barkley to him staying healthy. It goes to Daniel Jones to continuing to improve like he did in his second year to protecting the football more while putting up big numbers. It goes to Lorenzo Carr and O'Shane Zimenez coming off those injuries, becoming better pass rushers. It comes down to Shane Lemieux and Will Hernandez and Andrew Thomas and Matt Parrott blocking to give Daniel Jones a chance. You know, just go down the list. And these guys that the Giants had drafted previously, they're going to have to continue to improve and deliver. And if they do, this team has a legitimate chance to win a playoff. Not just make the playoffs, but to win a playoff game this year. Mm -hmm. But that, to me, is what it's going to come down to. I 100%. And, you know, what does this team and any other team in the NFL thrive upon is competition. And they're going to get it. I think that that offensive line, I said it a few days ago, was going to be the most interesting thing to watch as that thing kind of takes shape. Um, I think from day one to when the start of the season goes, there's going to be some shifting. I think there's going to be some guys that, you know, I don't think it's going to be the same. Um, the what do you second mean? thing, what I mean by is I, I feel like if you were to give me a lineup right now, um, who you thought the starters would be one to five? Well, let's okay. have fun, Jeff. Who, who do you think the lineup's going to be one to five? Well, I'll give you the givens. We know that. that's easy. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, so all right. So left tackle and center are your givens. Yes. Okay. Correct. Um, and right tackle, I'm going to say is not a given, but I'm going to say it's probably seventy five percent that Solder will be your right tackle. Okay. That, that Lance and I both bet on Solder because I asked this question to to, to Lance and mm-hmm. Paul on Sunday show, and mm-hmm. they and me and Lance said Solder. Paul thought Parrott would win the job at right tackle. Okay. Well, okay. Here's, uh, at the, are we doing opening day here? Yes. Okay. So who would I be surprised guards? at right tackle as the season progresses at Nate Solder being 32 years old and having not played a year that Matt Pert moves out to that and, and maybe takes it over? That wouldn't surprise me. But okay. opening day is that. I have a feeling that the left and right guards are going to be the biggest surprises, and I wouldn't be surprised – if all of a sudden you did see uh, Lemieux move to right guard where he played in college and be the starter there. Well, no, remember, Lemieux was a full-time left guard in college. I'm sorry, excuse yes. me. Mm-hmm. I, okay, my bad. I'm, I'm on okay. the wrong side here. Yes. <laughs> left guard, okay, he's the starter. And then the right guard, I don't know. I, I'm not – I don't well, know. Well, I'm so, going to force you to make a prediction, my friend. <sighs> hmm. Well, uh, give me some names. Give well, me some names there, because Lance Lance said Fulton, who was the 
offensive lineman, the veteran. Zach Fulton. Yes, that they acquired from Houston as a free agent. Okay. Paul and I both said Will Hernandez. You also have the Jonathan Harrison kid, the vet, that came over from the Jets as on a futures contract in January. You have uh, Kyle Murphy, who's the kid that was an undrafted free agent last year. I think Rhode Island, if I'm not mistaken. Okay. He was on the practice squad last year. Those are prop. Or I'll even let you get, go guy not on team right now if you want to go that direction. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, I'm pretty content with, you know, like Dave does, who's here. Uh, I see where you're going with Hernandez. I feel like this is they're going to give him a chance, um, and I think they certainly want Lemieux to play. Um, he earned that last year, so I would go with Hernandez to start. Yeah, yeah, and in a close one, I think Fulton obviously the the veteran, but I, so is so is Hernandez. Hernandez isn't a rookie anymore. You know, That's so, fourth year man. It's yeah, time. he's a veteran. So the guys, you know, that that'll be a good competition. Will I be satisfied with that offensive line? Sure, I will. I will. I mean, what else we got? We got, you know, listen, the Giants don't have a lot of money to go out and get some guy and, and pay him a millions and millions of dollars to be your right guard. So that this is where the competition is going to come in. So I would say it's going to be Gates. And then on the right would be uh, Hernandez, Solder, and then left Lemieux and Andrews. That's there. There you go. I would say that Thomas will be your left guard, left tackle. And then Lemieux will be on the left side, too. Nine seven three six six seven nineteen sixty. Big Blue Kickoff Live is on the Giants mobile app and on Giants.com as part of the Giants Podcast Network presented by Investors Bank. Hey, Giant fans, get a New York Giants checking account from Investors Bank with the Giants brand the debit card, security features, and discounts at the Giants online shop. You can earn up to 250 bucks when you open an account at investorsbank.com slash Giants, member FDIC. Limited Giants season tickets are on sale now for the 2021 season. In addition to ticket savings, membership benefits include access to exclusive events, experiences, pre-sales, and more. You can lock in your seat starting at just 100 bucks. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash tickets for more information. All right, let's go to the phones, Jeff. Abdul sure. in Minneapolis. He joins us today. Abdul, what's up, man? Hey, guys. What's up? We're good. Uh, first of all, you guys did a great job this weekend. I really enjoyed listening to all your shows this weekend. Thank you. And um, I'm pretty much, you know, I was pretty much satisfied with all the picks. Uh, I was kind of excited that I, being from Minnesota, uh, I saw a lot of Rashad Bateman, so I was kind of hoping that, you know, we might grab him. But the more I hear about Tony, I'm, I'm, I'm more than happy with that pick. Okay. But I, I, was, I was a big fan of Rashad Bateman. Watching him, you know, know, Abdul, by the way, just for the record, both Jeff and I had Bateman as our number four receiver on the board. Mm -hmm. And if I was to do it over, no, no, not do it over. If I was a team starting from scratch, I would pick Bateman before Tony, I think. And I think a lot of people would probably disagree with me. But I think with the Giants and the receivers they already have on the roster, I actually think it's easier for them to find a bigger role for someone like Tony because yeah, of point. all the different things he can do then they right. could have found the spot for Bateman. Now, that doesn't mean there's not some risk here because if all Tony ends up being is, you know, this gadget guy that does things in space, it's probably not worth the 20th pick in, in the first round. Right. But he's a young guy. He's new to the wide receiver position. He was a high school quarterback. If he can develop and become a really good route runner, he's probably a better athlete than Bateman is, so I think he does have a higher ceiling if he can work out and become better at the craft of playing wide receiver. Don't forget about yeah, the returning think, aspect, too. Oh, yeah, and he's better on special teams, 100%. Yeah, Tony is more dynamic, but Bateman was a safer pick. It made more sense on paper. But got, I, I didn't really call about that. Yeah. So my main, my main issue was um, the Giants offense. Uh, I think the Giants offense had an issue last year because of two things. The talent on the field and the actual offense, the way there was the play call, uh, the design, and it looks like they addressed half of it. How are they going to address the other half? You know, the, the, the monkey in the room. Like, How is Jason Garrett going to change his his offense you know, and his play calling, his design? You know, I think that was just as responsible as I said, for the failure of the offense. And, well, uh, Abdul, I think those two issues were linked last year. And again, we'll see now that there's more talent on the field. But I think one of the reasons they ran that offense they, the way they did last year is that, A, and I think we've had this conversation before, they knew the defense was the strength of the team. You don't want to turn it over, win low-scoring games. That gave them the best chance to win one. Two, and we even saw this in the second half of the year, the second the Giants went to a pass-first system where they're dropping back 40 times a game, the offensive line fell apart. So I think 
if you see the offensive line improve and they see progress, the offense can open up more. But I do agree with this part of it too, and, and I'll throw this to Jeff, Abdul, and then we'll get back to you, that it is now incumbent upon this offensive staff and Joe Judge and everybody to figure out ways to take advantage of Kadarius Tony's skill set, right? Because this isn't a guy you just line up a wide receiver and you run normal plays for the guy, right? You have to design packages for him. You have to design specific plays for him to maximize his skill set. So I do think that's now going to be something this coaching staff is going to try to do over the next four or five months. Let me let me give you my two cents here. So to answer your question about how how the, how it's going to change, well, you got to remember something too. Jason Garrett went through the whole off season putting together an offense that included number twenty six. He goes out of the of the lineup, and that now causes a big problem. Okay, number two, um, when you look on that offense, there was not very many big plays on that offensive side of the football. Nobody made a lot of big plays. Okay, so that's those two things. So what do the Giants do? They go out and they get a guy that can make some big plays. That's in, in Kenny Galladay, right? I mean, he's a playmaker. Then they added in the draft. They're getting Saquon back. Okay, now they added uh, Kyle Rudolph, who was a, a really good tight end. But you know what? I think Evan Egram is going to have a big, big involvement in this offense again because he's not a Kyle Rudolph. But look at all these weapons that you have and being able to – to present an offense that's going to be able to make some big plays. Here's the thing about Kadarius Toney also. He's going, to, he's going to open up the offense for the other guys. So, you know, he's going to command the kind of attention that a defense has to put on him, which will free up some of the other play guy, guys to make some plays. It, and, Abdul, I said this, I think, to Paul over the weekend, and I think you'll be on board this if I remember our previous conversations. You know, the way a lot of these teams use that pre-snap jet sweep motion and stuff like that to get the defense's eyes moving – that's the stuff you have to do with Kadarius Tony, right? Because that's the type of threat that he is. And if you do that, that might, to Jeff's point, help open up other things in the offense. All right, cool. Yeah, I agree. I think, yeah, he has to have a lot of pre-motion snaps and pre-motion you know, uh, movement going on and all that. I agree with that totally. Also, um, you know how the Giants like, added like 50 coaches this year? <laughs> Seems that way, right? No, no, I'm, I'm exaggerating. <laughs> no, I know what um, were they brought in to help redesign the offense? Is, is Garrett open to that, or is that like like what, like what are their like what, a couple of more offensive coordinators? If I'm wrong, um, to, were they hired to like as consultants to help the deep passing game? You know, just to kind of um, modernize it, or were they just brought in for um, for, for other things? I mean, I don't, I don't, or think, don't we know? I don't, I don't think we know exactly what their roles are going to be, right? I mean. That's not something that they like revealed to us, but I mean, yeah. I think every year the way Joe Judge operates is that he's going to try to revamp things. And I know you said, well, if Jason Garrett's open to it, well, it really doesn't matter if Jason Garrett's open to it. It's right, a matter right of what on. Joe Judge wants, right? And Joe Judge's, yep. and I think we found last year, right, uh, pr- pretty quickly, middle of the year, if there's going to be a conflict between the head coach and an assistant that's not doing what he says, do you know what happens to that assistant coach? Yeah, precisely, right? So I I think Jason Garrett is a team player. He works in conjunction with Joe Judge, and he will work together with the head coach to create this offense the way the head coach wants it to be. And I think that's huge for for the way, you know, Joe Judge puts the staff together and he wants this to work. So that, I think, is exactly what you're looking for here. And you talk about some of the coaches they brought in. I think, you know, Freddie Kitchens is kind of the guy that's going to be that roving offensive guy that kind of does a little bit of everything to, to help different units if there's struggles there and things like that. That, to me, will be Kitchen's role, and I think he'll work with Jason Garrett and Joe Judge, obviously, to, to get that stuff done in the offseason. Jeff, do you agree with that? Yeah, and I'll tell you a little bit more about it. So Russ Calloway is the new offensive assistant that they brought in from LSU. Okay, he'd been there for a few years, so he actually was coaching while Joe Burrow was there. Okay, and and that so he's coming over. And what I've been told and what I've been I've read about Russ Callaway is that he is a brilliant young offensive mind. So they you know obviously so to answer your question, was it solely that they brought him in there just to help revamp this offense? No. Now, Jeff, remember he's just a quality control. Coach no, I know now, that, so, but my point is, is right. it, but he had a bigger he had a bigger role at LSU offensively. Okay, so he will add a little bit of he will he will help that offense. Okay, and again, yes, he's a quality control guy. They also brought in another guy, a quality control guy on defense, and one other coach too. There was three of them they brought in. So. 
Um, yeah, so these guys are there to help. But I think what John had said is that, you know, Freddie Kitchens has a, has more of a, I think, input into this than people think. And the other thing about it is is that, you know, the Giants promoted within. There was a lot of guys that some of the assistants that were there are, you know, quality control guys that actually moved up into position coaches. So they had, that's what creates openings for these other ones. So it's always a little bit of a turnstile to coaching position for the good and for the bad. The bad that you had already mentioned, right? You're gone if you're not doing what you're doing. But the good is that some of these guys move on to bigger roles with bigger teams. And that's really what it's all about for the coaches. They want to move up. They want to be a coordinator and eventually become a – you know, a head coach. Yeah, Nick Williams was the other offensive quality control coach as well. Mm -hmm. So, and then Derek Dooley got reassigned to tight ends. That was the, and Rob Sale obviously in the offensive line. That was kind of how, and Jody Wright, you mentioned those, that's how it got rearranged on the yeah. offensive side of yep. the ball. And if Freddie Kitchen was the tight ends coach last yep. year, remember? Mm -hmm. So, um, there you have it. And and again, I think that, you know, Jeremy Pruitt is another coach that was brought in who was a, who was the head coach for Tennessee for years. And he's going to kind of be the Kitchens of the defense. That's correct. He's right. the, uh, he's a defensive, uh, <laughs> Senior defensive know. assistant is there the you title. go. Yes. And I think they got a senior offensive assistant. That's in Kitchens. Kitchens. Yes, yeah. correct. So cool. You know, and one last thing, you know, everyone is so excited about the extra draft picks we picked up. You know, uh, you know, you know, for twenty two, it's almost like they want to skip next year's this, this coming season. <laughs> skip no, year. please don't. <laughs> anyway, We've I'm already done enough work on this year. Forget about next year right now. Yeah. Anyway, yeah, I'm just kidding. Anyway, listen, thank you for your phone call. We've been filling my sure. phone call. You guys take care, all right? Thank you, yeah, Abdul. Appreciate you. the call, man. Nine seven three six. Good call out of Abdul there. Nine seven three six six seven nineteen sixty. The other thing I was going to say is that you know I I was talking about the offense and that competition along that offensive line. Wow, there is going to be some serious competition at that edge position. Oh my! <laughs> how how many guys them? are in that room, Jeff? <laughs> Holy cow! You guys, just so the fans understand here. You have the two rookies, Aziz Ojolari and Ellison Smith. You have, and I'm just going to work chronologically backwards in terms of age okay. here, okay? Sure. You have the two rookies from last year, Carter Coughlin and Cam Brown. Now you're at four. Go back the year before that, you have O'Shane Zimenez, the third-round pick. Now you're up to five. Go back the year before that, you have Lorenzo Carter, who was a day-two pick. That's number six. Oh, wait a second. You also brought in Ryan Anderson as a free agent. That's number seven. Oh, wait a second. You also brought in Afadio Denebo as a free agent. That's eight. Holy cow. How many guys that talk about competition? Whoa. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. You know, and I don't know how many of those guys will actually would ever transitioned into, you know, without their hand in the dirt, you know, kind of, you know, maybe playing any middle linebacker into those guys? No. <laughs> Probably not. You know, I don't know. So it, this is that's a big room, man. And then you then you kind of, you know, you got the defensive you got the defensive lineman in that other room. So you're, you're talking about, you know, maybe eight, not 20 guys <laughs> on the defense on two positions. You know, never can have enough depth. So, hey, the cream rises to the top, hopefully. So we get one of these guys that comes and plays. And um, I'm just, you know, I'm curious to see how Lorenzo Carter and and X-Man is coming off of their injuries and how they'll kind of be worked in back into the lineup and practices and you know, hopefully those guys. You know, a guy like uh, Carter, he he knows this is this is it for him, right? He's gonna have to come out and really show that he can play this well, year. Last year of his contract. So I think that he's gonna have to, you know, come off of that injury and do well. And he was playing well before the injury last year too, which is the shame of it. I'm not sure again he's ever gonna be a premier pass rusher, but in terms of playing that outside linebacker position and doing everything the right way, yeah. he yeah. started the season well. Mm -hmm. He had a good camp. Yeah, and you know, remember Brett Bilma. Uh, Bielema, he was the coach there that left and yep. had uh, had him playing pretty good. Pretty good. 973-667-1960. Call, you're on the line. What's your name? Where you calling from? Angelo from Dallas. Angelo, what's up? Hey, Angelo. Hey, not much. Hey, I'm, I'm, I'll be rapid fire here for a few questions, um, but I'm still kind of uh, chuckling over how I think uh, Fiedels was trying to do math and trying to understand the brilliance coming out of Smoke's mouth yeah. while he was trying to get the well, um, you know, Angel, uh, even better. I, 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 got to, I got to see the look on Fiedels' face as he was yeah. trying to do it, and yeah. it was like utter. It was, it was just utter, utter confusion. Yeah. It was. I wanted great. to. I wanted to take my ball and go home at that point. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, Smoke was being so intelligent saying what he was saying and trying to evolve P-Dot's draft process. You know, it's kind of confusing, <laughs> I understand. It is a hey, a couple questions. Do, do you think, I guess it's never, I guess, I guess it's good and bad. Are there actually too many coaches? Do you think there's too many cooks in the kitchen? I mean, there's, there's a lot going on, and I also believe that Joe Judge is kind of preparing just in case 
you know, JG leaves or his defense leaves, he has coaches that can take their place. Uh, is that even possible? Maybe they have too many cooks in the kitchen. I don't think that Joe Judge will allow that to happen. I think he has very strict roles isn't the right term for it, but I think he is firmly in control of everything that happens on that coaching staff. And I think having this, you know, many people in there too, really allows him to take such a you know administrator role and CEO role to the rest of the staff that he's the one that makes sure you don't have too many cooks in the kitchen, right, Jeff? I think that's kind of like the right. job of the head chef, right? You make sure that the line cooks and, and the yeah. sous chefs and all those guys are doing what they're supposed to do, and he's the one that's controlling all that from the top down. Real quick, I, you know, when, when Joe Judge was hired, remember the old teaching uh, concept that he used, how he wants to, coaches to be teachers? Well, remember, there's there's 53 guys on the regular man roster, plus the practice squad, plus this, that, and that. There's a lot of players. There's not, you know, and if you have limited coaches, those players do not get the teaching and coaching that they do. So with more coaches, you're able to put more, you know, eyes and hands on each individual and break them down. You know, so you know they can break down the out, off uh, the outside mm-hmm. linebackers, maybe the right side of them, and then the left side. So you get a little more teaching involved. That's why there's a lot more coaches. You know, and, and for, and for anybody that's a parent and has kids, you always talk about the teacher to student ratio in these classrooms. Yeah, there you go. That that that's, that's basically it. what Jeff's talking about. Yeah, hundred percent. Okay. Well, do y'all believe that the current O-line, I know that, you know, I heard the, the, or the uh, press conference where I guess the staff believes in the O-line more than the perception. Um, do y'all believe that we have our, I know it's a long way to go, our starting five on the roster right now? I believe the starting five this year are on the roster yeah. right now. I how how good are they going to be? I want to see, you know, we got three preseason games this year, right? We can actually right, see these right. guys in action. Last year, we're flying blind. So we'll actually have a decent idea. I think they believe that they're going to have a good offensive line. And, yes, I do believe that the five stars in opening day are on the roster right now. And last question is, I think my previous call may have mentioned it, but uh, through the years of Jason Garrett, and I'm out here in Dallas, you know, I, I've never seen Jason Garrett open an offense up. The creativity of the Andy Reid, you know, the mm-hmm. the guy in San Francisco, the, the Saints, you know, Sean Payton, I've never seen it. So I'm hoping he can bring it up with the weapons he has right now. But through the realms of T.O. days and, you know, Des Bryant days, and, you know, he's had players maybe not fit, you know, the Kadarius Tony type realm. But I've never actually seen him open up. So I can take the answer off air, but I'm curious. Good point. Do you have faith in Garrett to open up the offense as an OC or as a coach? And maybe this is also a preliminary because he is a head coach and has been. Um, when he does go, maybe the Freddie Kitchens or the other um, the other guy y'all mentioned, the offense control quality coach, maybe he can then ascend and do those things because he's bringing in college coaches. Mm-hmm. So I'll take the answer offline. Thanks, guys. Thank you. That's a and great I, question. Well, I think it goes back to how, you know, and I think we have to define what opened up means first, right? What does opened up mean? Does that mean throwing it 70% of the time? No. No. Because I don't think Joe Judge wants that. No. I think open up. John is is based, I think the word open up should be replaced with creative. Can we get a little more creative? You know, well, because I think some people are. I think the thought process some people have is this, and you can tell me if you think I'm right or wrong. They're like, all right, hold on a second. We have Saquon Barkley, we have Evan Ingram, we have Kyle Rudolph, two tight ends that are good. Now we have four wide receivers to get the ball to. We got to throw the ball more. Because we want to get the ball in the hands of these playmakers, right? That's okay. So let's yeah. throw it and throw it some more. And I, well, they don't I, have to be long throws. Yeah, I just don't know, Jeff. If listening to Joe Judge talk, does he seem like a coach that wants to throw the ball forty to forty-five times a game? Not with Saquon Barkley, no, no, no. So. I mean, balance. We talk about it all the time in our pregame shows. You know, let's be balanced. The, the offense has got to be balanced. You know, like 25 and 25 or whatever. Now, I'm all, I'm all for creativity, scheming up open players and doing things like that. 100%. Let's, let's, let's do all that all the time. But my sense, and again, I have no idea. This is not me, like, faking that I don't know what's going to happen, but I do, do know what's going to happen. This is my interpreting the way I've heard Joe Judge talk over the course of his time here. I do not sense that he wants the Giants to come out of every game running it 23 times and throwing it 40 times. That is not the sense that I get. Maybe I'll turn out to be wrong, but I think they want this close to be closer to a 
55, 55, 50, 50 type of split. That's what happened. That, that, that's my instinct. Maybe I'm going to be wrong. I don't know. That's okay. But look, look at, look at towards the end of the season that, that offensive line started blocking well and they started running the football. That's what Joe judge wants. And what is that? What is running the football do for you, John? And you know, it opens up the passing game. So I think with that, you, the first initial thought, and I think you're, I think you're correct, is to run the football and do it consistently enough to be able to open up your offense and run, start throwing the football creatively. Get some, get some balls. They don't have to be 10, 15 yard throws down the field. They can be little screen passes, like wide receiver screens, anything to just get the ball in some of those playmakers' hands and let them go play. Okay, but if you can run the football. And set up for you know those third downs, it, those those manageable third downs that we always talk about. Third and short, third and five, third and four. Boy, you got a lot more options with that if you can run the football in the first two downs. Yeah, and remember, Joe Judge says he wants his team to be do three. Wants to be a really tough football team, right? That's his big thing. He wants his team to be tough. Yeah. And I I remember on a radio interview I did at the end of the year with him. It was one of the weeks that Bob was doing something. He couldn't do the radio interview. I think he might have been getting meniscus surgery or something like that. I don't remember. <laughs> But I, I asked Coach, I said, Coach, you know, you say your team is, is you want it to be a tough team. Well, what, what does that mean to you? He goes, tough teams do three things well. They run the ball, they stop the run, and they cover kicks. And those are the three things that he said that tough teams do. So I just don't think that in jo- a Joe Judge football team is going to be an Andy, and he used Andy Reid as an example, right? Andy Reid, Jeff, is never going to be a, a, a 50-50 run-pass run, split coach. Can't He's with not. that guy. He's no not. Way. He's just not going to do it. Not with now, Patrick Mahomes. No way. Shanahan and McVay are different stories. Those guys are actually run-first teams. Mm-hmm. They want to run the football with that you know, zone read stuff. So I think, that, I think that's a separate conversation. So if fans are out there that want you know, the Giants offense to resemble the Chiefs, no. I don't think that's going to be the case. They may want it, but it ain't going to be the case. Uh, yeah, I, I just don't. Now, that doesn't mean that you can't scheme guys open, you can't do creative things, use formation, use personnel, you know, use different type of route combinations to get guys open. Yeah, sure, you can do all of that. But I don't think this is going to be some, you know, air raid, chuck the ball left and right type of attack. I just don't see it. No, I don't either. I don't either. I just want to say I want something balanced. And, I, and again, I want third down conversions. Jeff, did you move your <laughs> mic away from your mouth? You're really low there. Is, oh, did I, you know what? I just is that better? Yes, it Sorry. is. <laughs> no, you know. <laughs> I, could, I could just picture the mic flipped up by. No, Jeff I didn't touch. Nose. You know what? I actually, I actually did my little uh, the audio button. Oh, the knob. The knob. <laughs> yeah, it just went up. Because um, I thought I might have been coming in too hot, too hot. Um, balanced. Give me some balanced offense. Give me some. You know, run the football and be able to set up some play action, and then you got some big playmakers down the field. That's what I want to see. You know, and, it's, and this Joe Judge team is a smart team. They're not a heavily penalized team, so you know that's good. Um, which, you know, and a lot of times you hear the cliche that the team takes on the personality of the coach. I think that's that. I think that I believe that. I really do. I mean, look, the years of Coughlin. I mean, that team before he got there was not disciplined. I didn't think you know Jim Fossil was. He was a players' coach. He let the players do whatever, and then. T- Tom Coughlin comes in here and sets down these rules, and next thing you know, they're in two Super Bowls. So, If you can move that dial in between the last two settings, <laughs> Jeff, that would help. Great radio. How about nine seven three? Is that better? Yes, that is better. Thank you very much. I'm not- trying not to move my mic today. I'm not trying. I got a new headset here. Um, I'm We're working good on about this right, right good. now. So but- am I. 973-667-1960. Cole, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey, guys. It's Scott from New Mexico. Hey, Scotty. What's up? Hi, Scott. Hi, Jeff. Uh, and by the way, I heard you, so you don't have to worry about your mic. <laughs> good for you. Forget about okay. Schmelka for here. Well, as I long can, as you heard me, I that's can, good. I can, Thank you, Scott. I can hear you, too, but it sounded like somebody had put, had put a towel over your head. <laughs> maybe maybe they did. <laughs> anyway, anyways, um, I'm maybe one of the few guys who's really disappointed in the, in the picks. But you I'm and Len. It's you and Len. Everyone else is happy except you and Len, Scott. I guess. I don't know. Doesn't surprise I mean, me, by the way. When you pass up on a Slater and even an Alex Leatherwood, I, uh, what was the one issue that you guys throughout the whole, this whole process we're talking about is the improvement of the well, offense. And by the line. way, Leatherwood got picked before the Giants picked the Right. Yeah, that he point. did. I, mm-hmm. That's correct. That's okay. Uh, but there were other tackles they could have taken or guards. Yeah, sure. Uh, Darisaw, Tevin Jenkins, whatever. Yep. Exactly. Mm-hmm. 
So I'm actually very disappointed in what they did. I think I understand the rationale as to why they did it, but I just don't see it as the way the Giants are going to move forward. But I want to address an issue uh, that maybe you guys can tell me uh, how it's going to work. Uh, As far as I know right now on the the offensive roster, you have Ingram, you, you have Tony, you have Barkley, who, by the way, I think led the Giants in receiving one year. You have Ross, receptions, yes, yes. Right, Ro- Rudolph, Slayton, Shepard. Is, is C.J. Board still on the team? I'm not sure if he was or not. Yes, he is. Mm-hmm. Okay, and then you have Devontae Booker, who you just signed. Do, as far as I know, there's only one football, and who's going to suffer in this whole, you know, putting the offense together? Because you're not going to be able to get the football to everybody. Yeah, honestly, everyone, Scott. Okay. I think I think do you, do you I think, think it can work with hit? so many weapons and actually get a balanced kind of offense because you just said a second ago you Ooh. don't want the Giants throwing thirty five times. No, I said um, four, I said forty five times. Forty five times. Sorry, not thirty five. <laughs> and I agree with you. I think you need a, to win in the NFL. You need a balanced offense. Uh, and so I'm just wondering is is there an odd man out that you see that won't get the ball as often uh, as as some of the, as, as you thought before? So I, okay, so I guess why don't we play the I don't think Kyle Rudolph is going to be a guy that catches like 50 or 60 balls. I think he's right. going to be more of a situational guy that's going to be in the red zone. So I hope he doesn't expect to you know, catch 60 balls this year. But I think he'll be very valuable in the way they use him. Right. Um, I think Slayton will be a guy that catches some deep passes, but he's probably not going to get the volume of targets that he's gotten before. I still think Shepard has a unique skill set amongst the group of players here where he'll be able to catch a lot of those, you know, third and mediums out of the slot. So I think of all the guys, Shepard and will be untouched the most. Galladay will probably still be the most targeted receiver if I had to guess. And I didn't even mention him in my list. <laughs> That's just another yeah, receiver. No, no, you're right. I think it'll be interesting, Jeff. How do you think that distribution is going to work? I think, Scott, I think it's a good question. It's an excellent question. I think Shepard's the most consistent because if you look at his numbers throughout the years, they're very similar. Every year is almost the right. same. That's true. Um, so I think that, you know, you didn't bring uh, Galladay in here to, to – <laughs> to not get an, uh, not as get many attempts, right. <laughs> you know, so he's going to be the most targeted. I agree with John. But do you think he's going to get, like, is he going to surpass 90 catches? I think probably not, right? I, I think he will. I you think th- he remember, will. Remember, he's never gotten 90 catches before. But he's he's never, I mean, listen, I, I think that he will. I think, and plus, by the way, I think he'll catch a lot more of those that are thrown to him, too, because the guy doesn't drop passes and he goes up and gets them. Um, and again, this is assuming all these guys are healthy too. Yeah, if right, some guys yeah. get. By the way, God, just so you know, Jeff, Gallaudet has never caught more than seventy passes. Okay. He caught and, seventy. And by passes the way, he played once. on a pretty good offense with Stafford. Yes, yeah. he did. Which is the, which is why I'm just throwing that out there to you. I think Slayton will definitely be the guy that suffers um, probably the most, um, and he has to stay healthy too. I'll tell you what, Jeff, we're gonna have fun with our over unders for catches for these Holy guys in smokes, the offseason. Yeah. Uh, Kadarius Tony could surprise you because he may get a lot of those little dump off passes just to kind of get the ball in his hands. You he know? might have some runs too. I think. I oh, think he's definitely end. getting runs, John. There's right. no question. You know, whether it's the jet sweep or some just some, you know, crazy formations, maybe some wildcat. No, um, yeah, man, I could see that. You know, so again, well, we're and I, I'll let you finish, Scott. I, I think right. that you know this is a matter of. An offense becoming, it's kind of, I think it's going to evolve into something fun to watch, I hope. Yeah, and he, I remember Joe Judge Scott always talks about matchups, right? So right. I think this is going to be the perfect situation where the team every week looks at their matchups on paper and they say, all right, where do we like our matchup here? Do we like Ingram on their safeties and linebackers? Do we like Galladay on their you know sure. top corner? Yep. Do we like Shepard against their nickel? Uh, you know, that's, I think is going to be what this is going to be like. And that's kind of what Joe Judge preaches, right? You change your game plan every week based on your opponent and the matchups. And right. I think all this talent will allow them to do this. So I think depending on the week, it could be any one of these guys that gets the most targets or the most catches. Okay. My last question, and the way I look at the way this season is being formed is I thought that Dave Gettleman threw all his chips into the table. Uh, I'm a gambler by nature, so... 
I'll use those terms, but in free agency. And I don't know if he's finished yet, because so, I want to wait till the end. Of, I always think the draft is a crapshoot anyways, because you don't know. It's sort of like the Forrest Gump box of chocolates. You never know what you're going to get. Sure. And, but I thought in free agency he did a fairly good job of bringing in the players he wanted to bring, and the draft is what it is. Players will either make it or they won't make it. But do you think uh, if the Giants, God forbid, have a similar season to last year, to you know, to the, this last season, do, do you think Dave Gettleman is going to be the general manager for the team, or do you think he, after four years, if there's a repetition of what transpired with all these weapons and so forth? I'm not so much worried about Patrick Graham, but I am worried that with so many weapons, how do you balance an offense like this? Well, do you, thank you. Do you think his career's with the Giants would still go on to next year? Because you mentioned all the draft picks are going to have next year. So I'm not saying this to denigrate Dave at all. I I think he's done a very good job this year. But I'm just wondering how, with the Mara and the Tisch family, they really want the team to make a play. You mentioned it earlier. If this is a disappointing year, and as a longtime Giant fan, I hope that doesn't happen. Where do you think they go from there? And I'll be glad to take your answers off the air, guys. Thanks again. Thank you, Scott. Look, Scott, we're not going to predict yeah. people losing their jobs here, so um, I'll just lead with that, and we're not going to. But to your point, I think John Mayer made it abundantly clear, Jeff, that he believes this team is capable mm-hmm. of making a playoff run this year and mm-hmm. potentially winning the division. So if they come out and they win like three or four games, I don't think ownership would be very happy about that. Now, sure. here's the trick. If we get to week two and, you know, like a half dozen guys are hurt and not playing, like the quarterback or mm-hmm. Galladay or Bradbury or Leonard Williams, and you know how it goes. There's always one or two teams every year that get so snake bit by injuries yeah. that they just, like the season's over before it starts, right? Mm-hmm. And they just don't have a shot. So if that happens and the team ends up winning four games, well, then that's... That's a mitigating factor to yeah. those types of decisions. So we're not going to make that prediction, but I think based on their aggressious, um, aggressiveness level, for, mm-hmm. for lack of a better term, Jeff, that they do expect, the ownership does expect there to be improvement and fairly significant improvement in the win column this year. I think more than once, John Mara said, it's time to start winning some games. Sure. So, And I think Dave Gettleman thinks it's, start, it's time to start winning some games too, to be honest with you. Yeah. Good point. I also think that it could happen the other way. If the team gets off to a really, really good start and injuries start to happen and things fall apart, that, you know, a lot of times it's hard to, you can't, you know, if you have a team that's it's doing well and then they get hurt, it's it's tough, tough to win, right? Um, but let's let's just throw, you know, Dave Gellman out of the conversation for a minute and just talk about the other 31 teams in the similar situations. You know, ownership these days are very impatient. And so, um, and when you've got all these assets that the Giants went out and spent a lot more money than I thought they ever would in free agency this year, I was dead wrong on that. I thought they were going to hold tight to you know not doing it, but they did. And then they get this uh, the, what they got in the draft this year, along with the maturation of Daniel Jones. Um, if something goes bad, it, any team would have to, to really take a serious look at where the problem is. So that would be my answer. Not, like you said, John, I'm not going to fire anybody over on this radio show, but I, that, I mean, there's something that management always has to look at. Yeah, and I don't think anyone can debate the fact that last year's free agency class that Dave brought in was excellent, mm-hmm. and you brought in two of the top guys on the market this year. Now those guys have to perform. It's really that sure. simple, right? Man, last year's free agents, I mean, don't forget about the kicker now. And I mean, you got there was some good, good free agents last year yeah. that that really did well for this team. And now you, and now the guys that they, to my point earlier, right? It's going to be all about the guys that they drafted previously and this year's draft class now to see how this team continues to improve and take that next step. And you know, Gano was coming off of a hip surgery, you know, so or leg injury was it? It was one of the two, right? He had, a, I know he had an injury, so whatever it was, he was he had I surgery and he was. was com- I think it was hip. I think you're right. But, uh, you know, and he comes out and basically hits his first 40 field goals, for God's sake. I mean, <laughs> he was a silent MVP of that team last year. How about year. two long snappers getting drafted over the weekend, Jeff? Oh, and one from Alabama. Go figure. <laughs> Did you hear, by, oh, by the way, um, the Panthers were the other, were one of the teams that drafted a long snapper. Did you see that call? No. 
Oh, he got drafted in the seventh round. When you get a chance, they were playing it on Good Morning Football today, which is the only reason that I saw it. And, you know, it's Matt Rule. He calls the kid, and he goes, hey, you know, I'm doing a bad job. Sure, okay. I don't don't, don't remember the kid's name. He's like, you know, so so what do you think? And, and, you know, the long snapper goes into a social spiel. Oh, you know, I'm, I'm going to weigh my options and all, <laughs> and I'm going to figure out where to go. Because he assumes he's calling about being an undrafted free agent, right? Oh, that's because hilarious. Because all these kids are getting these calls in the seventh round yeah. about where you're going to sign as an undrafted free I agent. I remember those days. So Matt Rule goes, no, we just drafted you. <laughs> and the kid goes, no way, dude, <laughs> seriously? It, it, I'm telling you, you got to look at it. And, 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 and I got, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to YouTube it. Absolutely. I got to see that. And then he gets on the phone with the owner, and he goes, dude, I can't believe this is happening. Thanks so much. This is awesome. And it oh, was that's, just, and, that's, that's awesome. And the owner's David Tepper's dying. He's laughing. It oh, was, and he's the kind of guy that would just love that. Yeah, you know? dude, it was just it was the most genuine, like, surprise. That's amazing. I can't amazing. believe this is happening phone yeah. call. Yeah. Jeff, when we get off. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna put it up. On, yeah, yeah. Go Okay. I will mute you. Listen to it while I take this next caller. Okay. It, it is just it, it'll probably be on the Panthers website. It's gotta be. Okay. Check it out. Let me All just right. Google this. I gotta see this. All right, so. I'm gonna mute your mic, Jeff, okay? I will bring you back up in about okay. a minute. Caller, you're on the air. What's your name? Where are you calling from? Hey John, it's Charlie from Portland, Maine. I thought I was gonna get like a week hiatus after that like <laughs> page long DM you sent me. I know. Holy well, cow! I, and now I got to deal with you today. Yeah. Well, you said like Len and and Scott were the only ones who didn't like this draft. No, you're right. To, you too. You're right. I, I had to call up and say, "Hey, uh, I didn't like it." And this is well, put it this way, you know. If we pick Tony as our number one pick, this guy better play. And he better play three downs. And he better be on the field or it was the wrong pick. We're not, you don't take a number one pick and don't play him or play him 15 snaps. He has to be the guy that can plug and play. So one of these guys, Slayton or Shepard, has got to be on the bench. One of them has to be on the bench or we pick the wrong guy. I think because it's going to be yeah. a rotation. Look, let's say you assume you have three receivers or two, you know, let's say you have three receivers on the field, you know, 60% of the time. Otherwise you have two. So I would figure each one of these receivers, except for Gaudi, I think Gaudi will probably be around 100% of the snaps. I don't think he's going to come off the field much, right? My guess is that Slayton, Shepard, and Tony are going to split the rest of those snaps and they'll all probably be around, you know, 60 to 70 percent of the snaps that would be my bet yeah well to me then that's the wrong pick and that's why they should have went offensive line and had a guy by the I mean, way charlie we would have we would have that same conversation if it was Devonte smith though you understand that right yeah well that's the thing is to me tony should be just like smith if you were going to play smith like starter and sit somebody on the bench. Tony has to do the same thing. Yeah, but I don't he think I don't. But Troy, that's my point. Head. I don't think Devontae Smith was going to play ninety percent of the snaps either. You know, not ninety percent. Well, I think he would be closer to like well, seventy-five or yeah. eighty. Well, that's fine. I mean, you know, if, if, if Tony p- plays that, then that's fine. Well, I, I said he'd be between sixty and seventy. That's not far off. Yeah, but but you, you got a number one pick. You got to play him. And like I said, if you don't, then he's the wrong pick. And the other thing is, we had Slater sitting in our face. The David Deal for 10 more years, maybe even a little better than David Deal, but at least the David Deal, and we pass him up. And then, not only do we pass him up, we pass up. This was, you guys were talking about it. All the people you had on, this is the, this is the best offensive line depth in a decade. There's so many offensive linemen there. And, and we don't pick one? Where is our priority? Our priority is cornerbacks? We even got finally a fifth pick back, and we wasted on a cornerback instead of using that and go up and get a good lineman. I, I just don't understand it. We made the same mistake with Eli. We never gave him an O-line. And we're doing the same thing again. Remember, if we had a decent offensive line last year, not the 31st in the league, then I'd say, okay, it makes sense. But you don't do it when you're 31st. 
like I said, is my rant. Now, Charlie, just remember, though, and I, and I said this yeah. to you before, while if you look at the metrics over the course, and, and Jeff, I do have you back up. If, okay. you, if, you look, if you look at the course of the year, yes, but they were significantly better the final six or seven games of the season. So the line at the end of the year was better than the line in, in week six or seven, and, and that's fair. Right. So are they gonna? Is this offensive line gonna jump up from thirty first to twenty eighth? I, I I think the goal is to is to get right near the middle of the pack. I think you yeah, want to get so, around seven, like eighteen, if you can. Yeah. Well, that's a big jump. When no, it is a big five, jump. You're right. You're right. When, when you need five guys to jump, it isn't like we got one or two guys that need to jump, and the other three are good. You know, we need all five guys to make a gigantic leap to be a good offensive line. And to me, it, you know, they keep saying they love Daniel Jones. Well, they don't show it. Because if you loved him, he needs a good offensive line well, to be a really good well, quarterback. Well, Charlie, look, and you know me, I, I want to draft a lineman too, so I, I, I understand where you're coming from. I get where you're coming from. But the Giants did use a first-round pick, a third-round pick, and a fifth-round pick on offensive linemen last year. They're going to trust those guys that they brought in. They saw them in practice all year. We did not. They're going to trust those guys that they're going to be ready to go, that Will Hernandez is over the COVID thing, that he's ready to go. So these are guys that this front office drafted previously, right? So these are guys that they have faith in. Now, the rubber is going to hit the road this year. We're going to see. If they are what you think they're going to be and Daniel Jones is getting hammered back there, then in retrospect, you would have been correct. But we're going right. to find out in a few months who is. Yeah, and, you know that's true, and I just I just think it's a blind spot. But the thing that really bothers me is like we don't value the O line like they say they value it. Because if they did, they would have got at least one offensive lineman. No, they value cornerbacks more than they do the offensive. Well, Jeff, remember line. They, I but Troy, they said they were they were looking at offensive linemen in rounds two and three, but the guy they wanted that got picked. Yeah, but what did they do? When they wanted their cornerback, they even gave an extra pick to get them. So what you do is if you value that, you would take that fifth pick and you would have got the lineman that you wanted. That's why I'm saying they don't value it. They didn't value it at least this time. Yeah, but even they after moving it. up in the third round, the guy still wasn't there. Is my point. Mm-hmm. They're bored. You don't know they're bored, Charlie. Do you right. have no idea I, what it is? I do know they're bored. No, you I do don't. Know you, know, no, you don't know any bored. They're bored. Because if they were, they would have gotten one. Come on, Jeff. There were they had they had guys on their board, and they, the guys that they they wanted were gone, and then they they moved and then, on. And then there's one last thing. There's one offensive lineman. He had some medical issues, just like the edge rusher. AZ that we picked had medical issues. He was sitting there at 201. Charlie, blood clots in the lungs is a lot different than a knee injury from three years ago. He played 23 starts after that incident. He played 23 games. He hadn't had an issue with it. Charlie, if, if, if their medical staff came back, and I don't know if this is the case or not, but if their medical staff came back, this is a hypothetical, and said, we, have, we think there's a chance that this guy can die on the football field, I understand not picking him. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if it was that dire, but how come Kansas City, who is a Super Bowl team, understands what it means to have an offensive line intact because they found that out in the Super Bowl, what did they do with the 236 pick or 26 pick? They picked him. They took a chance. It was a six-round pick. They were smart enough. And their medical people are not any dumber or smarter than the Giants. But they well, took the some, some teams are willing to take more risks than others when it comes to medicals. That's just the way the it league is, round. right? It's a sixth round. We just picked another cornerback. Do you think this cornerback is going to make the team or he's going to be sitting on the practice squad the whole year? And we could have had this guy was ranked like a second-round, first, second-round pick. You know, I mean, that's what I'm saying. They did not value the O-line. Well, either did the rest of the league. Either did the rest of the league (laughs) on him. The rest of the league did not draft him. The other 30 teams said no to that guy, too. Multiple times. Multiple times. And listen, you know, that's that's just, you know, I don't know how much credence you're putting in on a six-round draft pick to make your team and be a starter. 
But I mean, that's just you got to move on on that. I mean, that's a risky, risky deal there. I mean, some guys and I don't know, some teams like John said, are they'll take more risks than others. But the Giants don't do that. They don't they don't really they're not going to they didn't they decided not to. So did you find the video, Jeff, or no? It was absolutely hilarious. <laughs> that guy is talking to the owner of the of the team like he's behind a hamburger stand, talking to some dude. And him, he's like, "That was dude, that was great. That was that was awesome. You guys should go go. There's there's some profanity in it, so I can't tell you exactly how it went down, but it was good. At that one, was at one good. point, he said he would walk all the way to yeah. Carolina, yeah. which was which yeah. was good. He said, "I'll walk my, you know what, all the way there if you want me to." And and the and then the the uh, owner said, "You you will. You walk down here. You coming down? <laughs> it's like, that's awesome." That's great. And then, of course, Tepper did say they would send him an escort to get him down here. So that's, yeah, that's great. Yeah, that's great. Jeff, that's... good times, my friend. Yeah, well, good stuff. Okay, good. We will uh, – man, I told you the hour goes by quick these days after doing a two and three hours. Okay, good. Thank you, John. Thanks for the calls. We appreciate it, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Jeff, and make sure you tune in again tomorrow. We'll be back. Tomorrow it's Dottino and Meadow for another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live on the Giants Podcast Network presented by Investors Bank. You can find the archive of this show and all of our shows at Giants.com slash podcast on the Giants mobile app and all our favorite podcast platforms. Don't forget and miss out on your chance to experience a premier hospitality experience watching Giant Games and world-class concerts in 2021 as a Giants suite partner. Limited full-season locations are available or place a deposit for individual games. Call 888-NYG-1925 or visit Giants.com slash suites for more information. For Jeff Fiegels, I'm John Schmelk. We will see you next time on another episode of Big Blue Kickoff Live.